Christians are often told that teaching their version of the creation story wouldn't be fair and inclusive to everyone else. So why do atheists get to tell their version of the creation story exclusively in schools around the world? Today on Creation Magazine Live. It's reasonable and logical to be a Christian, and we'll discuss yet another reason why on today's podcast. Welcome to Creation Magazine Live. My name is Calvin Smith. And I'm Richard Fangrad. And today we're going to be talking about the atheist creation story. Yes. Yep. Now there are literally hundreds of creation stories from all over the world, different people groups and, and things like that. But uh, many times evolutionists will criticize uh, Christians and, and creationists saying, well, why should you teach biblical creation? Why, why wouldn't you teach other creation stories? You know, how, how do you know yours is right? Right. And, and what they don't admit, of course, is that evolution is just such another creation story. <laughs> right. And uh, it, it's, it's an atheistic creation story that's highly religious as well, and it's taught as fact in classrooms all around the world. Right. And it's not like there's not variations of their creation story either, right? right? You've yeah. got you know, Lamarckian uh, evolution, you've got Darwinian evolution, neo-Darwinian evolution, punctuated equilibrium, chaos theory. There's all sorts of variations of their creation story as right. well. Now, people around the world will generally... Everybody believes a creation story, right. and we can broadly categorize these creation stories in kind of two areas. There's right. the atheistic, naturalistic, evolutionary type of uh, story that's, mm -hmm. of course, very popular in, in many Western nations. And then there's, there's creation by some intelligent designer. Right. There'd be many religions that would, that would teach that. Of course, Christianity teaches that as well. There's, there, people try to mix the two of them together, and we have that in Christianity. You have theistic evolution right. and, and things like that. And we'll talk about that later. But there's those two general categories to right. begin with. So whether you're examining uh, you know, the North or South American Indian uh, creation myths, what people call Indian creation myths, or the Australian Aborigine uh, uh, Biami legends, or China's creation stories, or New Zealand's, you know, Maori people, or or the biblical account, um, accounts of creation, you know, are, are with all over the world with different people groups. So, uh, creation by a supernatural creator that seems to be a natural way for people to, uh, you know, look at the world around them. Right, and there's many common elements that these stories will have, of course. Right. And there's stuff on the website we can read about that, creation.com. They typically speak of some type of an original paradise and right. then a fall from grace, that kind of thing, and uh, some type of global judgment, right. of a worldwide flood, or something like flood legends are actually quite popular around right. the world. And, and the obvious design in nature could lead various people groups to believe in a generic creator. Right. Uh, and, however, such similar accounts are hard to explain uh, just by chance. Uh, it, it's obvious that they, they would go back to a shared common belief originally, and we can look at the origins of such stories. Right. Now, children naturally seem to perceive the world as being created. You know, Richard Dawkins and several atheists yeah. have said, no, 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 it's, it, it's just that they get indoctrinated to believe in a creator. But actually, they've done studies, and that's not true. Um, so that's it, the way the kids start. That's right. Yeah. They start off believing in, in, in creation, but it's rather through an intense indoctrination in a school system where they don't allow anything but you know, evolutionary ideas to, to be uh, taught, and, and then that's equated with science, of course. That's when people usually accept that type of creation story. Right. Atheists have to have a way of explaining how we got here without some intelligent creator, because then they wouldn't be atheists. They, they'd right. be theists of some sort. Yeah. So all atheists are evolutionists by default. That's right. the default position. You have to believe in some form of naturalism instead of supernaturalism. And, uh, and then you, you, they've, they've, they've couched it in this scientific terminology, and they call it a scientific theory. Right. Now, the majority of people on Earth today uh, fall into the first group you mentioned, creationists, right? Um, 
but um, sometimes we've got theistic evolutionists, right? People that believe, well, they've maybe gone to a public school system, so now they've accepted a bit of evolution. They still want yeah, to be a Christian creator. Background, so they're mixing them, yeah. Right? Yeah. And uh, so, you know, they'll, they'll try to mix those two together. But oftentimes what happens, no matter what background they're from, if they start to do that, they start to become consistent thinkers and think, well, if I've got a way of explaining how I came here naturalistically, then they give up on the, the creation story. Right. And so it's often we've pointed this out, right? It's a slippery slope. If you're a creationist, you believe in God used evolution to create, then after a while you just become more of a naturalistic thinker and you, you give up on that, that kind of concept. Right, and theistic evolutionists uh, uh, might believe that they've reached a pleasant compromise right. uh, between two major opposing views like this. But um, as, as William Jennings Bryan once said, he said this, theistic evolution may be defined as an anesthetic which deadens the patient's pain while atheism removes his religion. <laughs> William Jennings Bryan, of course, the famous uh, defender of creation at the, at the Scopes trial in 1925 in Tennessee there. So That's interesting, right. Interesting quote there from him. <laughs> creation stories from around the world often attempt to explain what sociologist and, and uh, professor emeritus at Harvard University, Daniel Bell, said. He said that culture is the effort to provide a coherent set of answers to the existential predicaments that confront all human beings. So if you're seeking coherent answers about life, obviously the question of origins, that's going to be a huge question, right? Sure. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I mean, the origin of something really determines its its meaning and its value, right? If, if I was looting around in my attic and I find an old painting and I say, ah, you know, maybe it's not my cup of tea, but then I found out that, oh, no, it, it, it was created by a brilliant artist and it's worth, you know, five million dollars. <laughs> well, all of a sudden, the origin of that painting would, would let me know that, well, maybe I don't want to just throw it out in the trash. It changes would, how you think about it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, the, the the painting's origin would be the reason why I changed my opinion, right? Right. <clears throat> Similarly, if you believe mankind was created by, for example, a warlike being, something like that, yep. that, that overpowers his opponents and so on, then adherence to that system probably won't have a problem subjugating other people groups. Right. Because that's, that's what they believe about origins. Right. Uh, if you believe that there is a loving God who cares about his creation, you're going to react differently if you're serving that God, if you want to follow that God. What we believe about origins determines the rules and laws that we're going to put in place in society. Exactly. Now, many Christians and even conservative, you know, uh, minded non-Christians in the Western world countries have kind of expressed some shock, you know, with some of the court rulings we'll see. You yes, know, and we'll say, yeah. how could how could we get such an unfair decision? Or they just, oh, this doesn't make sense to them, right? And they're yeah. wondering, well, why is this happening? But and, and, and we talk about common sense, right? right. Everything, well, that uh, goes against common sense. But yeah. common sense is only common when it's held by the commonality, is when it's held by the majority <laughs> of people that's out there. Right. And the Judeo-Christian foundations of many Western nations have, have been seriously eroded from generations ago. And there's now other notions of origins coming in with, a, with naturalism and so on that lead to a different, what we call a different common sense. Right. And it leads to these, these things we see in the, in the courtrooms. Right. A recent online article from the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences in the United States by evolutionist A.R. Cashmore argued that the justice system is flawed because it assumes people have free will. <laughs> Something he argues doesn't exist if we're all the result of, uh, you know, random chance chemical processes. Yeah, it's, just the, it's just chemistry that determines yeah. the outcome. 
He said this, In Anglo-American law, for a person to be found guilty of a crime, he must be aware of his wrongdoing at the time of the crime. He must display mens rea, that is, the mind must be guilty. In certain circumstances, a defendant can be found not guilty by reasons of insanity. And then he gives an example uh, of when such a, a defense wasn't successful. The case of Jeffrey Dahmer, yeah, wow. who, who was found guilty for the death of 17 young men from 1978 to 1991. Of course, Dahmer was a necrophiliac, performing gross sexual acts on the dead bodies, as well as performing frontal lobot uh, lobotomies and boiling their skulls in acid. Um, pretty nasty it's, stuff. Yeah, nasty stuff. He, he said this, The rationale for the guilty verdict was that it was claimed that he knew what he was doing was wrong as evidenced by the fact that he lied to the police about his activities. I raise this case to illustrate two points. First, the legal system assumes a capacity for individuals not only to distinguish between right and wrong, but to act according to those distinctions. That is, an integral component of the legal system is a belief in free will. Mm -hmm. Furthermore, the legal system assumes that it is possible to distinguish those individuals who have this capacity of free will from those who lack it. <laughs> so that is amazing. Yeah, he, he's <laughs> arguing here that, you know, the only way you can be guilty of something is you have free will. But here's what he says about free will. The reality is, not only do we have no more free will than a fly or a bacterium, in actuality, we have no more free will than a bowl of sugar. And this, is, this is stunning. And we were talking about common sense there. <laughs> right. Okay, well, if you're going to accept it's that nonsense, because that's what it is, um, you know, what are his and other like-minded people's conclusions in, right? Well, uh, uh, as noted uh, by Lady Barbara Wooten, she's a British criminologist, she said this, If mental health and ill health cannot be defined in objective scientific terms that are free of subjective moral judgments, it follows that we have no reliable criterion by which to distinguish the sick from the healthy mind. The road is then wide open to dispense with the concept of responsibility altogether. Amazing. Stunning. Yeah. And, and in, in this atheistic evolutionary worldview, Dahmer, Jeffrey Dahmer, was not responsible for his actions. He simply reacted that way because that's his chemical makeup. And, 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 he evolved uh, that way. He evolved that way. It wasn't right or wrong or good or evil. It was just that's chemistry. Yep. And what, Dahmer, what did Dahmer believe about origins? Yeah. Quite interesting. He said this. If a person doesn't think there's a God to be accountable to, then what's the point of trying to modify your behavior to keep it within acceptable ranges? That's how I thought anyway. I always believed the story of evolution as truth, that we all just came from the slime. When we died, you know, that was it. There's nothing. So despite Cashmore's claims that free will is a myth, Dahmer stated he actually thought through his actions logically decided yep. a course of actions based on his belief in origins and so apparently thoughts do have consequences I, I guess yeah right <laughs> now cashmore admits that uh, darwin was aware of the implications of his his own theory you know some people say well darwin you know he's a nice guy and he didn't really think it would go where it went well actually yeah. here's what uh, charles darwin said um, uh, uh, on this concept of free will this view should teach one profound humility one deserves no credit for anything nor ought one to blame others. Interesting. Yeah. No free will. You're just acting like a robot. And no, no free will. Uh, a famous uh, professor at Cornell 
um, William Provine, uh, he said this about free will. Let me summarize my views on what modern evolutionary biology tells us loud and clear. There are no gods, no purposes, no goal-directed forces of any kind. There's no life after death. When I die, I'm absolutely certain that I'm going to be dead. That's the end for me. There's no ultimate foundation for ethics and no ultimate meaning to life. And no free will for humans either. Well, he doesn't mince words there, does he? <laughs> See, all of these uh, evolutionists we've just mentioned here, they, they've, yep. they've thought through their system rationally. They've come to logical conclusions. What, have they, what are the implications of their creation story? Our actions are the result of a stimulus response program that we've been, we just evolved that way. You can call it yeah. chemical predestination. Yeah, okay. Right? You're predestined yeah. to just act. Right now, I'm speaking these words, not because I have any free will. <laughs> it's just the chemistry in me and the stimulus response, the, the, the things that I've interacted with. That's why I'm speaking these words right now. That's, you know. So, and, and these concepts have deep roots way back to Darwin himself, right? right? Yeah. And, and, you know, this, this worldview, of course, isn't just based on, on facts and, and, and things like that. We're going to look into the motivations behind these kinds of concepts. But if you think about this, why are atheists always railing against Christians or well, creationists? It, it, or doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. How can they say, well, you're wrong? Well, how, how, how could I say how to you, Richard, that you, what, your opinion's wrong? Well, how can yeah, it if, be you, if you're an evolutionist, if you're an atheist, yeah. you don't have a basis for morality, as, as these folks that we've just quoted from have They're said. They're admitting it. It's just chemistry. There's yeah. no right, there's no wrong. You're just reacting to, to the chemistry going on in your head that causes you what to... What to right. How can you say anyone is wrong or right? How can you say you're, I'm right if, if you're an evolutionist? How can they even say that they reasoned to a position exactly. to, to yeah. say it? Yeah. Because... It's just the chemicals in their head bouncing around, leading to them to that conclusion. So, actually, with no free will, there's no basis for logic. There's no basis for morality. Everything there's falls apart. Absolutely, right? everything yeah. falls apart. And uh, and like I said, we're we're going to look into this a little bit more because you might want to say that, but nobody actually lives their life like that. <laughs> no, no, right? You can't. I, I mean, if somebody murdered your mom, you're not going to just go, oh well. That was just the way his chemicals it's just went chemistry. Up. Evolutionists have claimed that we have no free will and that actually right. we're, we're yeah. not responsible for our own actions. We should even change the law system that everything is based on here in the Western world. Um, now, is this really true or, or is there a motive behind this? That's what we need to question. Well, the motive, you don't have to search too far before you find a motive. Yeah. Uh, uh, atheist and, and humanist Adulus Huxley commented, he said this, I have motive for not wanting the world to have meaning. <laughs> Consequently, assumed that it had none, and was able, without any difficulty, to find satisfying reasons for this assumption. The philosopher who finds no meaning in the world is not concerned exclusively with the problem in pure metaphysics. He is also concerned to prove that there is no valid reason why he personally should not do as he wants to do. <laughs> right, so when this atheist Huxley wrote this, he clearly understood that the only reason for true meaning in life was to believe in a creator God that has moral absolutes and actual laws. But the reason he didn't want that to be true was then there'd be rules regarding right and wrong. And, and, and so then he, you know, he willfully chose uh, not to believe, which is interesting because if you read the book of Romans, you're going to find God talking about that. Yes, yeah. um, but, but then how would he have chosen something based on, on, on such a motivation if he didn't well, have free will? 
<laughs> it all comes so, back to bite him, right? Right, right. It, it just doesn't work logically. I mean, you remember A.R. Cashmore from the previous segment. He said, a belief in free will is akin to a religious belief. Indeed, I would argue that free will makes uh, logical sense as long as one has the luxury of the causal magic of religion. Neither religious beliefs nor a belief in free will comply with the laws of a physical world. So he here we see, so according to his own beliefs, Cashmore and his atheistic friends here, they've got no choice but to be atheists. Every decision that he thinks he's making, you know, it's, it's supposed to be rational and logical, uh, uh, his worldview. It's nothing but biochemical predestination. Yeah. But, we, but they, they go back and say, but no, <laughs> but I want it to be like that because I don't want there to be any rules, so I want to live the life I want to. Yeah, so yeah. And it's they, falling apart. They get apart all wrapped here. up in these knots here. Yeah. But, uh, uh, picking up the baton, modern uh, modern champion of atheism Richard Dawkins uh, <laughs> said that he thinks we live in a universe that looks as though it has, this is a quote, no design, no purpose, no evil, and no good. Nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. So he agrees with his, with his predecessor, Huxley, right. regarding and, meaning of the world, apparently. Right, and popular... Uh, um, atheist P.Z. Myers calls himself a godless liberal. He's very proud of it. He says yes. this. Yeah. He says, first, there is no moral law. The universe is a nasty, heartless place where most things wouldn't mind killing you if you let them. No one's compelled to be nice. You or anyone could go on a murder spree, and all that's stopping you is your self-interest. There's nothing out there that imposes morality on you other than local, temporary conditions, a lot of social enculturation, and probably a bit of genetic hardwiring that you've inherited from ancestors who lived under similar conditions. Now, all of these people have the same, they share the same creation story. Godless, godless atheism, materialism. It's a, it's a naturalistic way, without any intelligent designer, of getting us here, getting right. the universe into the state we see it today. Um, and, and we've discussed the morality or lack of it, or lack of anything, actually. <laughs> lack of that, logic, that, lack of reason, and, intelligence. And anything else that comes from that. Is it any wonder? that we're having a problem with law and with a godless society going down, crime and so on, that kind of thing, and people unable to make decisions in courtrooms anymore that are logical and reasonable. Right. And it's taught in the school system. <laughs> it's taught exclude Their creation story, which we, we as, we, it's a creation myth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, their, the, the atheist creation myth is taught exclusively in the school system to children. Right. And, and it doesn't doesn't take a lot of research to just look at what's happened to morality and and you know in schools you know they'd have all these these sure. comparisons what was you know what was considered a bad thing to be doing you know in school in the 60s oh and chewing gum chewing gum what's it today carrying yeah tearing, carrying a gun to school you know <laughs> so there's a lot of articles on our website and things like that that you know talk about the results of of, of uh, evolutionism um Anyway, I'd really like to recommend, if you want to research this even further, is uh, this DVD by um, Jonathan Sarfati called uh, Evolution and uh, at the Holocaust. And what it does is gets into the, the details of how uh, Darwinian yeah. evolution influenced the Nazi Holocaust. And we'll be back. Well, a very interesting um, <laughs> news report from uh, Ball State University. And uh, talking about academic freedom, it says, uh, university gag order, university shuts down science class discussions. Um, of course, or, they are not academic freedom, as exactly. the case may be. Exactly. And, and of course, the gag order is on only one topic, 
uh, and we'll look into that. So let me just read some of the article here. Officials at Ball State University at, uh, in Muncie, uh, Indiana, have decided to censor what their science teachers and instructors say, ordering them not to discuss the evidence of intelligent design during science classes, according to a report from the Discovery Institute, which monitors such battles. In interesting. In a blatant attack on academic freedom and the unfettered consideration of scientific viewpoints, the president of Ball State University in Muncie has imposed a gag order on science faculty forbidding their discussion of the theory of intelligent design in science classrooms, the organization announced this week. Isn't that stunning? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we hear all the time, well, you know, we need to be open-minded, right? We want to be free thinkers. Yeah, yeah. Science is about just going and discovering whatever's there. <laughs> what a bunch of baloney. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, so. honestly. I mean, could, could they, uh, you could ask a number of questions here. Could they teach science in a science class? Would that, would that be okay? <laughs> then, then if that's okay, then presumably the answer would be yes, hopefully. Yeah. People would answer yes. Yeah. Could you teach scientific evidence against naturalism? Apparently not. Apparently not. <laughs> I mean, I, I want to I just imagine you're a student in the class. And, and yeah. so, oh, yeah. you know, they're yeah. talking about whatever and they show you some amazing, you know, thing like a bacterial flagellum motor or, or they show you like an ATP synthase motor inside living cells and, and you're a student and you go, excuse me, sir, that, that looks designed. No, nope, we can't talk about that. Oh. <laughs> what, do, what do you mean you can't talk about that? Like, can you imagine a group of students yeah. asking different questions? Well, what about this? Well, no, as soon as you talk about design, it's just not allowed. But yeah, anyway, you censor out you censor out various conclusions. Right. So here's this, here's this, and here's this, and you're you're you're, you're not allowed to ever suggest that perhaps you know naturalism can't come up with this stuff. So. It had to be designed, oh, but you're not allowed to talk about that now, apparently in Indiana here. So. Yeah, it's, it's continuing in the news report. The school had been in the headlines since the Freedom From Religion Foundation, which wants to eradicate references to faith in the public sphere and on university campuses, demanded an investigation into whether Ball State uh, physicist Dr. Eric Hedden had informed his students about the theory of intelligent design. That's that, that's amazing. Uh, Freedom from Religion Foundation. Right. It's it's nice how they they always take their religion out of their out of what they're attacking. Freedom from religion. Well, that would mean freedom from the, the university evolution. would be empty of people. Because, <laughs> well, seriously, because everyone is equally religious. Everyone right. has a certain set of beliefs they believe about themselves, about morality, about right. where the universe, where they came from, and so on. Yeah, so atheism it's, is a is a religion. Of course, of humanism course. is a religion. You'd have to take the freedom from religion, folks. They would have, have to shoot themselves <laughs> and get rid of themselves in order for not to. Ha yeah, you know, nobody'd be at the university. It'd be empty <sighs> classes. Yeah, so his, his interdisciplinary uh, honors course, Boundaries of Science, included a partial bibliography listing books favorable to and others critical of intelligent design, and that was considered teaching religion. Folks, it's, it's just getting to the point of, of silliness. Creation Magazine Live is a production of Creation Ministries International, the publisher of Creation Magazine and the minds behind creation.com. If you want to chip in to support our ministry, go to creation.com slash donate. And thanks for listening.